0: Hello, Parkview. This is Devin Neese, your communications director, and I want to welcome you to the Groups Podcast for the week of September 25th through October 1st. Our goal each week is to inform and guide group members and train group leaders to make whole disciples of Jesus. This week we are continuing our series in Luke with Luke 4 16 through 41. There's no training segment this week, but we'd encourage you to continue to think about and work with your group on developing goals to grow as a group and as individuals. Let's get started. Our next new members class is coming up on Sunday, October 8th at East Campus from 1130 to 2 p.m. If you are listening and you are not yet a member, please check it out. Membership is the way that we live out the biblical pattern of committing to a local church body here at Parkview. And if you are already a member but have a friend or a group member that is not yet a member, encourage them to register for our class. Lunch will be provided and the class will be taught by our very own Len Brooks, a Parkview elder and our interim East Campus care pastor. You can find the link to register in the show notes. And that's all I have this week for Inform. I'll turn it over to Joella and Thomas for our guide segment.
1: All right, that sound means that we are moving on to be guided. And not by me. That's right. I'm joined by a special guest, Joella Gerber. Say hi.
2: Hello.
1: That's Joella. She has been around Parkview for quite a while and great gal. Um, I discovered that Joella has a wonderful way of teaching us about the Bible. And so uh, she has been working hard on Luke 4, verses 16 through
2: 41. Forty
1: one, A good chunk. Actually, you know, it's funny. I just sat down this morning. It's, by the way, it's early in September. Well, it's middle of September, so by the time this gets out there, it'll be a little later than that. But I uh, just talked with Will, who's going to be preaching from this passage. So I'm a little bit up to date. And could I say well-versed? Ha! <laughs> but That's um, sh- a Bible pun, but I'm actually not well-versed. Time, am generally versed. Uh, so, Joella, just a little intro for you. Yeah. You, uh, if someone's hanging around Parkview, where might they bump into you? Mm-hmm. What are you involved in?
2: Yeah, they would find me serving with the deacon team. Um, mm. So on Sunday mornings, that can look like communion or see me running around after a service, collecting offering or saying hello, welcome Great. in the entryway.
1: Great. Great. Well, uh, I first learned about um, Joella's gifts from uh, the women's retreat last year in Colossians 3. Three. Three. Mm-hmm. If I remember right. I guess I did. Uh, and just was blessed by that. And so I'm glad that Joella is going to get to serve us in that way here and now. So, um, oh, yeah, I was also going to ask you, yeah. Joella, you're part of a community group, right? I am. Yeah. Great. Who leads it?
2: Um, Mike and Rachel Coble are the leaders of oh, my community they're great. Group. They are. They're, They're great. Wonderful.
1: Yeah, oh, wonderful. Okay. And does your community group have more dogs or people?
2: Ooh, it's pretty close. Okay. No, we. I think we have like four or five dogs. Four or five.
1: Okay. And I met the Cobles' dog. Well, virtually, I met the Cobles' dog, uh, Bonnie. Bonnie. She's super sweet. Seems like a sweetie. Mm-hmm. A nice Amish dog. Yes. They told me all about her. So.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, great. She's new to electricity.
1: Okay, <laughs> I didn't even think about that. Wow. <laughs> I think they have electric fences, though. Yikes.
2: Oh. Ooh. Yeah.
1: So anyway, uh, well, let's get into it. Luke 4, 14, 16. 16. Take it away.
2: All right. Awesome. So before we hop too far into our passage, just want to give people a reminder of the two verses right before Luke 16. So Luke 14, 4, 14, and 15 are um, just a little precursor to Jesus' beginning his ministry um, it's right after he's tempted after he was 40 days in the wilderness and so as we hop here into 16 we're kind of seeing the beginning of Jesus public ministry so let's get started verse 16 and he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up as was his custom he went to the synagogue on the sabbath day and he stood up to read I'll pause there. Um, So this was Jesus' home synagogue, probably where he grew up attending and worshiping. Um, He was well-known there. And he is teaching there on the Sabbath. And services for Sabbath for Jews at that time would include singing, prayers, reading the scripture, and interpretation of the scripture. And um, local elders or leaders would be the ones to read and interpret. So that is what is happening here with Jesus. So we'll hop back into verse 17. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He enrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who were oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So we're told that Jesus is reading from Isaiah. So he's actually reading from Isaiah 61, verses 1 and 2. And then he adds in a little line from Isaiah 58, 6. And so it's helpful for us to know what this passage would have meant to the Jews that Jesus was reading to at the time. So this passage in Isaiah was referencing the year of Jubilee. And so the year of Jubilee happened every 50 years and was commanded by God and was a time of releasing people from their debts, freeing people from slavery, kind of giving a sense of rest to the land and to the people.
0: Mm
2: -hmm. Um, So sometimes in Old Testament times, folks who needed to repay debts but did not have the funds to do so would repay those by serving as slaves um, but God didn't really intend to them to be forever indebted, so unless they chose to be. But at the year of Jubilee, all people were freed. And so the year of Jubilee not only served as a really practical thing for folks in Old Testament times, but it was also a foreshadowing for the future work of Jesus on the cross, of the Messiah, where um, the Messiah would relieve us of spiritual debts, our slavery to sin, um, and uh, pointing us to the future of true rest um, in heaven one day with the Lord. So that's kind of the background and what that would have meant to the people when Jesus was reading those verses. Mm -hmm. So as we hop back in to verse 20, and he rolled up the scroll and he gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, today the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. So he's saying the scripture is fulfilled. The people who he was speaking to were the poor, the captives, the blind, the oppressed that were referenced in Isaiah. And Jesus is proclaiming the good news, proclaiming liberty for them, restoring their sight, setting them free. People would have known that this text would be fulfilled by the Messiah. Um, and so Jesus is essentially saying here, like, I'm the Messiah. Uh-huh. Um, and in that verse, um, and in the verse coming, they are really excited to hear about that. Um, but spoiler alert, it's not going to last for very long that they're happy about it. So let's hop into verse 22. And all spoke well of him and marveled at the gracious words that were coming from his mouth. And they said, is this not Joseph's son? And he said to them, doubtless, you will quote me to this proverb, physician, heal yourself. What we heard you say at Capernaum, do here in your hometown as well. And he said, And when they heard these things, all in the synagogue were filled with wrath. So Jesus here is pointing back to the history of prophets that God had sent to his people, both Elijah and Elisha. Um, And both of them were rejected and ended up getting sent elsewhere by God to Gentiles even. And Jesus here um, is pointing to them, the people of his hometown, saying, you also reject me. Um, And They were not thrilled to hear about that. Um, And they were not, they would have known that Jesus was saying Elijah and Elisha went to Gentiles. Um, But really the the Jews really only wanted the good news to be for them and not for the Gentiles. And so here coming in 29 and 30, they let Jesus know they're not super happy about that. So verse 29, and they rose up and drove him out of the town and brought him to the brow of the hill on which their town was built so that they could throw him down the cliff. But passing through their midst he went away so jesus was miraculously able to sneak right on out of there not be harmed and then we'll move on to verse 20 or 31 and he went down to capernaum a city of galilee and he was teaching them on the sabbath and they were astonished at his teaching for his word possessed authority now often during this time teachers would teach whatever they were teaching based on other people's teaching not their own or saying it's of their own authority Um, Partially because it's a lot of responsibility to say it's your own words. Um, But so this was something that was different about Jesus that he was teaching from his own authority. Verse 33. And in the synagogue, there was a man who had the spirit of an unclean demon, and he cried out with a loud voice. Ha! What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. So this is just a brief reminder that even the demons know, knew who Jesus was and really understood who he was, but it didn't move them to repentance or heart change. Mm -hmm. Um, And we'll see that reflected again later in this chapter. But um, this is just a quick reminder that head knowledge isn't sufficient for heart change. Mm -hmm. verse 35, but Jesus rebuked him saying, be silent and come out of him. And when the demon had thrown him down in their midst, he came out of him having done no harm. So this is the first of 21 miracles recorded in Luke. So that's pretty cool. And verse 36, And they were all amazed and said to one another, What is this word? For with authority and power he commands the unclean spirits, and they come out. And reports about him went out into every place in the surrounding region. Jesus' power here over demons was a clear indication of the new kingdom he was ushering in. And here we see um, Jesus setting people free, sort of what we saw from Um, what he had read from Isaiah. Moving to verse 38, um, he arose and left the synagogue and entered Simon's house. This Simon is Simon Peter, who in the next chapter, in chapter five, we'll see um, he called as a fisher of men. Mm -hmm. Um, Now Simon's mother-in-law was ill with high fever and they appealed to him on her behalf. And he stood over her and rebuked the fever and it left her. And immediately she rose and began to serve them. Here we see Jesus freeing someone else. We see him freeing Simon's mother-in-law from illness. Verse 40, now the sun was setting. All those who had any who were sick with various diseases brought them to him. And he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. So here we see the sunset, Sabbath is over, and so now people can travel again. Um, And we see here that Jesus not only... Um, laid hands on the sick, which would have been um, a little scandalous because you mm. try not to touch sick people. Um, but also that he healed every one of them individually. Um, so we can see Jesus here caring for people. Mm. And verse 41 wraps us up. And the demons also came out of many crying, you are the son of God, but he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak because they knew he was the Christ. So that's the end of our passage. So when we think of what would be a big idea that is kind of shown to us through this passage. And here we see that the good news of Jesus brings freedom. We see at the beginning of the passage that Jesus proclaims that he's the fulfillment of the year of Jubilee. He's the ultimate forgiver of debts, debts, the ultimate bringer of rest, the one who um, heals the sick at the poor and oppressed. And we see multiple examples here that really he's the one that brings freedom. So how do we apply that then? Um, One podcast I listen to calls this the So What, Who Cares? Mm -hmm. Like, why does this matter? Um, What should we do from here? How should this impact our lives? So first I would say reflect, rejoice, and praise the Lord for the specific things that he's given you freedom from. Um, not just to sin in general, but what specific sins has he given you freedom from? What specific challenges has he given you freedom from? Um, how does the good news of Jesus speak into ailments that you've had and, and just rejoice, praise the Lord for that. Mm-hmm. And then a second point of application I would say is to remember that, um, because Jesus says that he's the proclaiming of good news, the liberator, the giver of sight, and the freedom giver to the oppressed, we should remember that this is not just good news to the unbeliever, but it's also good news for us as believers as well. So consider areas that you need to believe and apply the good news of the gospel. That freedom over sin means we're not bound to those sins anymore, um, and that through the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives, we can put sin to death. Maybe a different way to think about it is this. What are you relying on or hoping in to give you freedom other than Jesus? Is it your work, relationship status, politics, your kids' accomplishments? Confess those things. Ask Jesus to give you freedom from those things. And potentially this is a good place for in your community group or um, with other trusted people to share with them and ask them to help you remember the good news of the freedom of Jesus.